God has a plan. He has a plan for you and for me. That plan includes loving Him and loving others. But for all of us, it's so easy to run away from God's plan, to avoid it completely. We get sucked into a life full of selfishness, pride, and rebellion. We focus on ourselves and what we want and what we think is best. But God is always in pursuit of us. God reaches out to us and offers us not a rejection, but an embrace. Not abandonment, but a welcome. This is the story of Jonah and God's relentless mercy. Well, hey, what is up, Northridge Church? Great to see everybody. I want to welcome our campuses at Webster, Greece, Arondacoit, and Henrietta. Those of you who are logging online or are with us on our online service and all of our guests here this morning, thank you for being here. We're honored uh, by your attendance. And I, something I want you to know is that we, we don't take your attendance lightly. In fact, we celebrate it. In fact, our prayer is that as you begin to experience Northridge Church, what could easily feel like a, a big crowd begins to transition into what feels like a family where you're loved for, loved on and you're cared for. And so welcome to Northridge Church. We're grateful to have you here this morning. And I'd encourage you to grab your Bible and turn to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to provide one for you. It's going to be on page 753 in the Northridge Bible. Because this morning we're beginning a brand new series that we're calling Relentless Mercy. And in this series, we're just talking about the thing that God continuously and over and over again shows us, mercy and grace. And we find that in the book of Jonah. And over the next four weeks, we're going to walk through each chapter verse by verse and look at how the story of Jonah really can resonate with our lives today. And so if you got your Bibles, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it starts here. It says this. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now let's just pause here for a moment and kind of let's set the, the scene and the context of the story, the book of Jonah. You see, the book is, is, is about Jonah, and Jonah is a prophet, probably not a, a term we use very often in our culture, if ever. And a prophet was just simply the, the messenger of God, the voice of God. All throughout this, this context in this time period, God would go to prophets to declare a message to the nation of Israel. And the book of Jonah is set around 750 B.C. And what's interesting is this is a book by a prophet and about a prophet. And, and there's something unique going on with Jonah as a prophet. Because most times when you look at the book of the prophets or you look in scripture and you study the prophets, what would often happen is the prophet would get a, a word from God, a message from God, and they would preach it to the nation of Israel. But that's not Jonah's story at all. In fact, what's unique about the book of Jonah is his life is actually the sermon. He's not preaching to the nation of Israel at all, but yet God is using this prophet's story in this prophet's life to send a message loud and clear to the nation of Israel. And so the big idea behind this book is God desires to work on us and through us. God has this desire for everyone who calls his name, his, his sons and daughters, to work on us and through us. And here's what we've done, I, I think, is we've kind of separated those two ideas, those two concepts. Is I've heard so many people say, you know, I, I want God to use me, but I just have to get rid of all the things in my life that aren't of God before God can use me. 
I mean, maybe you've used that excuse like, hey, I just don't got things together. I'm not all put together. And so I got to wait until I figure it all out for God to use me. But what is often the case, and we're going to see this in Jonah's life, and we see this probably in all of our lives, is while God is refining us and while God is working on us, he's often working through us as well. And we don't have to wait till we get it all figured out. We're going to see Jonah didn't have it all figured out, and yet God still used him in a powerful way. And so let's see what God called him to. Verse 2, it says this. It says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So God calls Jonah to the city of Nineveh. This is modern-day Iraq. And why does he call Jonah to Nineveh? Because its wickedness has, has become, it's, it's gotten in the way. It's become a wicked city. In fact, Nineveh was one of those cities that was known for really bad people. They were known for skinning people alive. That's how wicked this place has gotten. Can you imagine that calling? Hey, hey, hey Jonah, go to a really dangerous place. Sounds fun, doesn't it? It's like God calling us today to, to, to love and serve ISIS. Like how, many, how many of you would volunteer, sign up on your connection card for that job, right? And that's what Jonah is called to. And what's interesting about the, the, the Ninevites, they are the Assyrians. And 30 years later into the future of Israel, these Assyrians were going to take captive the nation of Israel. And so Jonah, as a prophet, he might have had that information. He might have known that. And so we see what Jonah does. Verse 3, it says this, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. And I think right here is, is where we can all relate to Jonah. I think right here in, in this part of the story, you and I can put our shoes in Jonah's shoes because we've all been there and we've all done that. There, there's been so many times in my life and in your life where we know exactly what God calls us to based off of his holy word, his revelation to us, and yet guess what we do? We run from it, we ignore it, we push it to the side. And that is exactly what Jonah does. Jonah knows exactly where God has called him to go. And yet he runs from the very calling of God. And I wonder how many of us are doing that right now in our life. Because running, we don't think ourselves as runaways. But running from God's plans in your life just simply means to rebel against God. To go in a different direction. To think your way is better than God's ways. And let me put some practical feet to that. Maybe today it's you. You're running from God because you know he's called you to have that hard conversation with that person who hurts you. And you've been avoiding it. You've been sweeping it under the rug. You've been pretending like it doesn't bother you. And so you're avoiding, you're running away from the very thing God is calling you to. Maybe it's you who, you, you know what, you need to go back to your spouse. You recognize that there's pain there. They've hurt you. And you know God has called you based on his word to forgiveness. But yet you're storing in your heart bitterness and you're running away from what God's called you to. Maybe it's you who's in a toxic relationship, an ungodly relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend that's leading you not to godly things, but to the pleasures of this world. You know God's calling you to end it, and yet you're still holding on to it. You're rebelling. You're running from God. Maybe it's in your finances where you know what God's called you to, to give back to what God has ultimately given you, and you're just rebelling and running from that. And the list goes on and on and on in our lives where we choose our way instead of God's ways. And that's exactly what Jonah does. And guess what he's gonna find out? And guess what we always find out? That running from God never works. Running from God, I, 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 it's the strategy we use on a regular basis, but it's a strategy that has never been successful. 
You would think we would give it up, right? Like, hey, this has never worked before and it probably will never work and yet we continuously do it. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's how we live. We run from God on a regular basis and yet it's never worked. And guess what? Jonah's about ready to figure that out face to face with God. Because here's what Jonah does is Jonah was called to the Ninevites, modern day Iraq. But Jonah almost mocks God. Because he says, not only am I going to run from what you want from me, I'm going to go in the polar opposite direction. I'm going to go to Tarshish, which is modern-day Spain. Jonah is basically saying, God, I don't want to have anything to do with what you're calling me to. In fact, I'm going to show it to you because I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction. Go home, look up Nineveh, and look up Tarshish, or look Iraq, and look up Spain. They're like completely the opposite direction. And Jonah's like, yeah, well, whatever, God, I don't really care. It says this. He says, he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from God. And scripture gives us this imagery where Jonah has now postured his life. He's turned his back towards God. He says, God, I don't care what you're calling to me because guess what? I'm going to run away from it. I'm turning my back to you, God, and, and I'm, I'm fleeing from you. And so you see this imagery of, of how Jonah has postured his life. But look what the next verse says. It says, then the Lord sent. You see, while Jonah was running from God, he failed to realize that God was running after him. That although Jonah thought he could get away from God, he, he failed to realize that in his running, God was going to pursue him. God was going to chase after him. And when you think about God, you think about the God we've, we've come to worship over four campuses at many different homes today. I think maybe one of the most beautiful things about God, you know, we get caught up in, in the miracles of God, the, the power and the majesty of God, or, which are all good things to get caught up in. But maybe one of the most beautiful and amazing things about God is that we can run from him, we can rebel against him, we can say we want nothing to do with him, and yet he still pursues us. He still loves us. And, and, and as humans, we just don't get that type of love because I don't know about you, but if someone abuses me over and over again, I give them a good-fashioned stiff arm and I walk away from the relationship. But yet, we abuse God on a regular basis and yet God still comes after us and God still loves us and he still chases after us. And, and it's like we say to God, like, hey, God, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And God says, I, I want to have everything to do with you. It's like we say, God, I don't want to love you. And God says, I can't stop loving you. Because that's who I am. And even in our rebellion, God still pursues us. Even when we are sinners, that's what the Bible says, that's ultimately the gospel of Jesus Christ. While we were still sinners, rebelling against God, fighting God off, running from God, he still died for us. What a beautiful thing about the God we serve is it's, it's a picture of the gospel. Jonah just declares who Jesus is. I mean, you think about the story. Jesus is standing there. Pilate's like, hey, I want to release the prisoner. Barabbas or Jesus? They say, hey, give us Barabbas. Well, what should we do with Jesus? Kill him. We don't care. Crucify him. And here Jesus is on a cross, dying on our behalf, pursuing us even though we didn't love him. And I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that God didn't give up on me when I gave up on him. I'm so glad that in the midst of my sin and my junk, God didn't say he's not worth it, but he said, I'll go to a cross to prove you that you are worth it. And that's the truth of the story of Jonah right here. Jonah turned his back to God and God said, watch me follow you and watch me continue to use you. 
It said, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. A, such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. And so God, in this pursuit of Jonah, he sends this violent storm. And it's crazy because all these sailors are throwing things overboard. They're doing what most of the world does when things go bad. We, they, guess what they did? They turned to whatever God they could and they said, someone please help us. I mean, they are freaking out. They're fighting fair, for their lives. The storm is violent. And guess where Jonah is? You would think Jonah would be right there with them. Like, oh, we're gonna die. But look what the scripture says. It says, but Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. And you can't even be mad at Jonah. Like, I need some of that, Jonah. Like, I'm a parent, and like, when my kids are going crazy and throwing things, I just wish I could sleep through it, you know? Every parent, can I get an amen? Yeah. And, and so Jonah here is sleeping. I'm like, come on, Jonah, give me some of that. That's a gift, bro. But it, it kind of just gives you a state of where Jonah is spiritually. Because there is chaos, there is calamity, all around him, everybody in his life is suffering because of him, and yet he's numb to it. And I think maybe some of us are there today. Where our rebellion towards God, our sin has wreaked havoc on our spouse, our kids, our family, our office, our neighborhood, and guess who's the only one who doesn't see it? Us. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible that maybe you're sleeping through the storm God sent to get your attention? Is it possible that God's maybe trying to wake you up to your rebellion and yet everybody else around you sees it, but yet you're still sleeping to it? That was Jonah. He was, the, the, the sailors are fighting for their lives and he's below deck sleeping. Spiritually, this isn't a physical sleep. This is a spiritual sleep where he is numb to what God is trying to do in his life. And it gets so bad that the captain comes down. Verse six, it says this. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and so that we will not perish. And so the captain comes down. He finds Jonah sleeping. And I just believe the captain is the voice of God. He's like, Jonah, how could you sleep? Like, how can you sleep during the, this storm? And, and, and I feel like God's communicating to Jonah, wake up, bro. Wake up and smell the roses, smell the coffee. You see how your rebellion is impacting everybody else around you. And here's what we have to understand. When we rebel against God, when we sin, your rebellion and my rebellion affects more than just you. It affects more than just me and you. I mean, it'd be awesome if sin only affected us, wouldn't it? It'd be nice if we could just choose our own pleasures and it would only affect our lives, but that's just not the way sin works. That's not the way rebellion against God works is it will wreak havoc on your relationships, on your marriage, on your business, on your neighborhood, in your schools. It will affect every area of your life. And Jonah is seeing that now. He's been awakened by the captain saying, guys, dude, we're fighting for our lives and you're sleeping. So here's what they do, verse seven, it says this. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and they, the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And so in ancient times, 
what they would do is when they lost control as humans, like they understood, these sailors understood, there's nothing they could do to stop the storm. And so in, in ancient times, they would cast lots. It was their way of stepping out of the, the situation and allowing some form of divinity to step in. And so not by you know, circumstances, but by the sovereignty of God, the lot falls on Jonah. So they begin to interrogate Jonah. Who are you? Why is this happening? What's going on, Jonah? And Jonah responds, verse 9, it says this. He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And for a moment, let's just pause here, because do you see the irony? Do you see the hypocrisy in, in just this statement, who Jonah is describing himself as? He says, I'm a Hebrew. That was true. But then he says, I worship the Lord. Really, Jonah? I mean, really, Jonah, like you, you, you're claiming to worship God, but isn't that the same God you're actually right now running from? It's almost like in our culture today, like, oh, I'm a Christian. <laughs> well, do you live like a Christian? Do you walk with God like a Christian does? Because I know a lot of people that claim Jesus, but they look nothing like Jesus. And that's Jonah in this story. I worship Yahweh. No, Jonah, you're running from Yahweh. And what's, what's so ironic is look how he describes God. He says, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Hey, Jonah, I got bad news for you. It's probably not a smart thing to run from God using the very thing you describe, using the sea that you describe God controls. It just doesn't make sense, Jonah. Like, hey, I'm going to run from God, the God who controls the land and the sea, and I'm going to use a boat on the sea that he controls. The irony there, it, again, it just shows you where Jonah is at spiritually. Look what the sailors say, verse 10. It says, this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And don't miss what is happening in these sailors' lives. It says they were terrified. Why were they terrified? Remember, these are sailors at the beginning of the story. When the sea came, they started to praying to any God that would listen. But now they hear who's actually in control of the storm. It was Yahweh, and they were terrified. You want to know why? Because they had heard the reputation of this God. They knew who Yahweh was. They knew his power and his grandeur and his majesty. They had heard stories of him from past generations and what he's capable of. And here God is working in these sailors' lives. He's bringing them. He's declaring who he is to these sailors. They're terrified of who this God is. And so they asked Jonah, what should we do with you? Jonah responds, verse 12, he says, pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault, that this great storm has come upon you. And right here is kind of a little bit of a turning point in Jonah's posture in his life. Because for the first moment in Jonah's life during this story, he puts a brake, he hits the brakes on running from God. Because he looks at these sailors and he says, hey, throw me into the sea and it will become calm. Why? Because this is my fault. It's the first moment where Jonah begins to own up to his responsibility to why all this has happened. And, and maybe for those of us who are running from God, rebelling against God, this is maybe the first step that we need to take. 
is just taking responsibility, saying, you know what, this is my fault. Because when we run from God and our life gets bad, guess who we blame? God. Like, God, how could you do this to me? God, why would you bring these circumstances? Why would you break up my marriage, God? Why would you do this? And maybe we stop blaming God and understand that maybe the responsibility isn't on God, it's actually on us. Maybe we realize that the chaos in our marriage, the chaos in our life right now, isn't God's fault, it's actually my rebellion towards God. See, Jonah started to realize this. And when we realize that, it puts the brakes on the running from God and it postures us, it puts us in a place to be able to turn back to God. But it's hard to take responsibility for all the things that are going bad in your life. It's not, it's not easy, it's not fun to do. But the truth is, is if you don't own up, you won't run back. If you don't own up to your choices and where your choices have led you, your rebellion, your running away from God has led you, you will never come back to a loving God. And for the first part, in the, for the first time in this story, Jonah owns up. He says, this is my fault, throw me in the sea. The sailors respond, it says, instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And again, here are pagan men, unbelieving men, and they won't kill Jonah. God is working in their life so much that they're so afraid of God that they fear to kill a prophet of God. And so they just start rowing. Like, hey, let's just, let's just try to get the land. Let's try to get the land. And, and God gets their attention. He makes the storm even louder. He, he makes it even more violent. And so finally they get to the place where like, okay, we'll throw him overboard, but God... Yahweh, please forgive us. Like, don't hold us accountable for this man. And they toss him overboard. And the moment... Jonah hits the water, the storm ceases, calms. And I, I think in this story, many of us, we, we, we know this story. But we, I think one part of the story that we often miss is, here is Jonah rebelling against God, running from God. And you know what the amazing thing is? God still uses him. Here these sailors are. These were pagan, unbelieving sailors who prayed to multiple gods when things go bad. And now for once in their life, they're actually getting a glimpse of who the true God is. And it's through Jonah's rebellion. I mean, isn't it amazing that God can use us in spite of us? And God's purposes is accomplished in spite of your running. God's glory will be achieved. God's purpose will be achieved whether we're on board or off board. See what I did there? It's pretty cool, huh, right? <laughs> and I don't know about you, but every once in a while, my pride likes to sneak up into my head and my heart. And I like to think that God's purposes bank on me. And I like to pretend that, that God almost needs me. You know, I almost, hey, what, how, what would happen if I, I would get hurt? What would Northridge Church do? And God's like, probably be more successful because I don't need you, Drew. I mean, honestly, we like, to, we like to tell ourselves that God is dependent on us in our obedience and our following his plan. But can I tell you the truth? God doesn't need me and God doesn't need you to accomplish what he wants to get accomplished. He doesn't need us, but yet he still chooses to use us. 
even in the midst of us running from him. I mean, I think this is one of the the crazy miracles of the story of Jonah. Is here Jonah is saying, God, no, I won't do what you want. And God says, oh, yes, you will. Oh, yes, you will. And watch me use you in your rebellion to declare who I am to pagan sailors. God's purpose is accomplished. And and I think at the end of the story, when Jonah is tossed overboard, we automatically, if we know what's happening next, we like, to, we like to jump to the fish. We love to, to get to the miracle of, of God swallowing up Jonah with the fish, and we'll get there. But I think we will miss something great of what God does at the end of this story, because look at these sailors. Look what happens in their life. At six, verse 16, it says, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord and made vows to him. You see, here God used a rebellious man to show sailors who he was. And here they are offering sacrifices and coming and making vows to God. Maybe that might be the greatest thing in the story of Jonah, where his rebellion God still used. And God can use your rebellion even if you choose to run from him. But as we look at the story that was thousands of years ago, the question is, is how can this penetrate my life today? And I think we see two themes in this story. The first one is the part we play. It's the theme of running, the theme of rebellion. This is us. Jonah, bad news for me and you, is Jonah is us in this story. We rebel from God. We run from God. And and I think in our rebellion towards God, we think we can get around God. We can avoid God. But the truth about running today is you won't avoid God. Running simply changes the timing of your inevitable encounter with God. You see, we, we run from God because we think we can get around the things of God and we think our way is actually better than God's way. That's why we run. We don't want to do what God's called us to do. We want to do what we want to do. And we think we can get away from God. And the truth is, is you can't outscape God. You can't outrun God. You can't hide from God. And the truth is, is every single one of us, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you believe in God or not, there will come a day where you have an encounter with God. And my prayer for you today is that you don't spend your entire life running from God and then when you do actually meet God, it's too late. And you realize that you didn't have a relationship with a loving God, but yet you will spend eternity separated from him. You see, some of you, maybe today your challenge is to stop your running and start embracing the love that God has for you. Because at the end of the day, scripture is so clear. Every single one of us will stand and face God face to face. The question is, what terms will it be? The second theme in this story, the first is running, but the second is God's pursuit for us. The fact that God pursues us no matter how we live, God still loves us no matter what we choose. But here's what I think we misunderstand about God. Is Jonah ran from God and God pursued him. And and, and when we run from God, God pursues us. And here's what I I think we misunderstand about God is why he does that. Why God pursues us. Why God chases after us. You see, I think some of us, we think that God's just getting ready to pay us back for all the mistakes that we've made. I think that's why some of us are afraid to turn back to God. Because we think if we turn back to God, we're going to have a whole lot to pay for to God. Like I'm nervous that God might like throw the thunder or lightning down on me because of all the mistakes I've made. And we're fearful to turn back to God because we believe he's waiting to pay us back for all the sin and all the rebellion. But I want you to understand why God pursues you. 
You see, God pursues you to win you back, not pay you back. God pursues you to love you, to restore the relationship back to him, to reconcile what we've made wrong. Yes, don't get me wrong. God does discipline those who he loves. That was part of the storm with Jonah. But the truth is, is God wants to win your heart back. And as we look at the beginning of of Jonah, what's interesting is if you, you study this story, a lot of scholars believe that it ties with a New Testament story the story of the prodigal son. They believe that these two stories work in tandem together. And in in, in Luke chapter 15, we read the prodigal story. It's a a relationship between a father and a son. And this dad, the son comes to the dad and he says, dad, I want everything that belongs to me. I want my inheritance now. And so the father reluctantly gives it to the son and the son goes and rebels, runs away from all the dad taught him and he goes and lives in, in, in this party lifestyle. He blows all the money that he was given, all of his inheritance on wild living. And he finds himself broken and with nothing. All his friends have left him. And it's gotten so bad in this son's life that he's looking at pigs on a farm and longing to eat what the pigs are eating. And ultimately, it's a picture of what happens when we run from God, right? When we choose our own way, guess where it leads? To destruction, to starvation, to whatever it is. Like when we choose to rebel against God's way in our life, it doesn't pan out the way we think it does. It might for a season, but eventually we're, we're left unsatisfied, unfulfilled, longing for more. That's where the son is, starving to death. But then something happens in him. Luke chapter 15, verse 17, it says this. It says, when he came to his senses. And maybe today we need to come to our senses. Maybe today we need to be awakened to the fact that rebellion against God, running from God never works. I I honestly believe maybe some of us, including myself, we need to to understand, we need to come to our senses like this young man did that, wow, this isn't working. In fact, this is ruining my marriage. This is ruining my relationship. This is wreaking havoc on my family and, and in everything in my life. Like it is not going well. And we are awakened to the reality of our rebellion. We come to our senses. We, we, we see, wow, this isn't what I pictured it to be. And so this led this young man, he came to his senses. And then in verse 20, he, he acts on this behavior. He sa- it says this, so he got up and went to his father. And this is the hardest thing to do. It's easy to come to your senses. It's easy to see all the circumstances falling apart in your life. That's easy to notice and to recognize. But the hard thing to do is to go back to your dad. Go back to God and look your father in the eyes and say, I wasted everything you gave me. It's hard to go back to God and say, God, I'm sorry that I've neglected your word. God, I'm I'm sorry I messed up my marriage. 
God, I'm, I'm sorry I, I've lived in a, a manner of gossip. God, I'm sorry I haven't read my Bible. God, I'm sorry I've been selfish. God, I'm sorry I haven't fought for justice. God, I'm sorry I've neglected prayer. And the list goes on and on. It's really easy to see the bad things in your life. It's really hard to turn and own up and take responsibility for it. And in scripture, in Luke chapter 15, this son begins to practice what he's going to say to his dad. He's like, ah, dad, I'll just be your servant. I just just want to be a part of the family again. That's all I want, dad. And you want to know why it's hard to run back home? You want to know it's hard to go back to God? Because when you run back and you stare God in the eyes and this son stares his father in the eyes, guess what you lose? Control. Because This boy knew he could tell his dad he was sorry, and his dad could say, get out of my house. You are no longer my son. This this dad could say, you wasted everything, and you come running back to me? There's no place for you anymore. He couldn't control the response of his father. And when we turn back to God, what's scary is we can't control how God responds to us. But yet, Luke 15 gives us a picture of how God responds when his son and when his daughter runs home. It says this, verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. You see, I think sometimes we we, we don't see that this father probably every day was waiting and looking over that hill for his son to come home. And that is exactly what God does for us when we rebel against him, when we run away from God. God sits there and he, he doesn't wait. He, he goes after us, he pursues us. And what's interesting is when we turn back to God, God doesn't have to run to us because he's always been there with us. We, there's, there's no like he's running to us. It, it's, hey, I've always been here and I've been waiting. My arms have been open. I just long for this day that you came home. And so this morning, as we look at the story, I would just really ask you this question. Where are you running from God? Where are you rebelling against God? It it might be in a big way, but maybe it's in, in small ways. Where you know what God's word has called you to, and you're just ignoring it. You're not being obedient to it. You're running from it. Locate in your life where you're being rebellious, where you are going a different direction than God wants you. Where are you rebelling? And would you consider coming home, cresting that hill, and letting your father open his arms and love you and say, I've waited for this moment. I've longed for this moment, and I'll give you relentless mercy in it. So where have you rebelled? Where have you walked away from God? And today would you come home because God is not waiting to pay you back. He wants to win your heart again. Let's pray. God, it's so easy to relate to Jonah because I'm Jonah. We're Jonah. It's so easy in life to think our way is better than your way. Our path looks so much nicer than yours does, God. I'll be honest, Spain sounds a whole lot better than Iraq does. But God, help us to see that your way is always better. Rebelling from God never works. It just leads to destruction. 
And God, I pray this week that we would search ourselves and we would find the areas and the ways that we are running from you. And that in each and every one of those, we would come back to you. And we would see your unending, relentless grace and mercy that goes over our lives. Help us to come home. In Jesus' name.